Uh, what's up, guys? I just had Drew Manning on my podcast. He's an amazing guy. Just came on. He's actually a fit to fat to fit. So if you want to follow his Instagram, his website, um, he does keto and he has a new line coming out. Uh, you can actually order his food meal prep uh, meals that will just come to your house and actually overnighted. And so if you've ever been curious about doing the keto diet, he's doing a 30 day challenge also that starts June 13th. And so you can order his meals tomorrow and then start the challenge with him, with me, uh, my girlfriend, Kelsey. There's probably a lot of other people that are doing this challenge. And so good way just to get into shape um, and try this diet out if you've ever been curious to see how you'd feel on the keto diet. But I uh, really appreciate him coming on. He's super vulnerable. Talks about things that a lot of people wouldn't talk about, like uh, affairs, leaving the Mormon religion. Um, pornography, things that are just really difficult and most people just don't put out there. So I really appreciate him coming on. Um, he made me realize that I need to upgrade my podcast equipment because his visuals look really good. And I'm just really excited that he came on. I appreciate you, Drew, and I appreciate you listeners. Thank you so much. Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast brought to you by Tyler Griffin. <laughs> All right, everybody. So I got uh, Drew Manning here. Um, I've been following him for about, it's probably been close to, I would say like three years I've been following you, maybe two, three years. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Um super inspirational the reason i wanted to have you on honestly is because a lot of what i've gone through in my life you've gone through it's almost like you've gone through things one step ahead of me <laughs> so you're like this person that gets to go through all the challenges and then i get to see how you navigate it and then kind of come out and and try to try to do it um yeah yeah try to navigate life and life life can be difficult and i know you're super vulnerable and put just everything out there. And so, yeah, just say hi to the listeners. Maybe just give them like a little bit of a background on yourself. And then I'll kind of just get started asking you some questions. Yeah, thanks Tyler for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's always good for, I think all of us need that type of person that will be like, you know, the guinea pig of like going through life's hard things. And then we see how they respond or how they navigate. And we're like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do what they do, or maybe I won't do what they do here. So I think we all need that. Um, but honestly, it's a pleasure to be here. Most people, my name is Drew Manning, but most people know me or call me the fit to fit guy. So whatever you want to call me or whatever your listeners want to yeah. call me, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but that's where most people know me from. So really quick, what that is in a nutshell is back in 2011, I had this crazy idea to do an experiment for six months where I would intentionally uh, gain weight to better understand my clients because I was a personal trainer at the time and I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters and we all, we all play sports so like wrestling and football were my life since I was a kid and so being in shape became super easy for me because it kind of was just like a byproduct of being active all the time yeah and so here I was someone who had never been overweight transitioning to becoming a personal trainer because I always kind of had that body I was always into fitness but I didn't understand why my overweight clients, like why they struggled to just live that lifestyle that seemed so easy to me. 
And that's where this idea of fit to fit to fit came about was me not understanding why people couldn't just do what I told them to do. Cause for me, it seemed simple and easy, but for them, it was really hard. And I wanted to understand why it was so hard for them. So I did this experiment where I gained 75 pounds of fat in six months. I stopped exercising, ate a standard American diet. That's so like uh, lots of cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> you know, cinnamon toast crunch like every day, right? That was your go-to. Pretty much. And Mount, yeah. And Mountain Dew and Hot Pockets and uh, SpaghettiOs and all <laughs> well, the good was stuff. Was that fun? Have. I've heard like, I've heard of actors and people that do this and they have fun doing it, but was it kind of fun just throwing everything out and just eating whatever you wanted? It was fun for about, uh, I would say a month or so. It really okay. was because, you know, you don't feel terrible right away. Like, you know, it, it kind of catches up to you slowly. <clears throat> but after about a month, you get sick of like all the food. Like we think it's freedom. We think it's like this sense of freedom that we have to be able to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, you know, to go to the gym, but you're not free to choose the consequences of that lifestyle. And so about after a month, <clears throat> the fun kind of went away. Then it, I realized holy shit, I got five more months of this. <laughs> like, how am I going to survive this? Yeah. Because it, it became way more difficult than I thought it was going to be, especially mentally and emotionally. And so that's kind of where, like, yeah, there's an aspect of it being fun. If you've watched any of my TV show, you'll see the, the trainers on the show that they went through the same process. It's fun for a little bit, but then you get sick of it so quickly and you just can't wait to feel healthy again because you know what yeah. it feels like. But anyways, yeah, so that was me. That was fit to fit to fit. I did it. It kind of went viral. I, I lost the weight, obviously. I uh, wrote a book about it, created my own TV show. And so that's me in a nutshell. So, yeah, because I had questions about that because, like, your sure. life, it, it almost kind of <laughs> leads to this because – so basically my podcast in a nutshell is just take people's lives. Where do you get stuck? So basically like, we all hit a ceiling at some point, and it's like either decide I'm going to stay stuck or I'm going to move past this. So I know you've like you talk about Brene Brown a lot. A lot of the books you mention on your podcast and on your social media are books that I've kind of gotten into as well. But it yep. seems like you're one of those like growth mindset people. And I feel like once you have a perspective, like you have a perspective. So I'll jump back into this, but you grew up LDS. I grew up LDS Mormon. And so growing up Mormon, we both had like a mindset like, our parents taught us the way it was. This is how life is. This is like the kingdoms, the glory. This is everything after. And you think you know everything. And yeah. then when you transition away from it, you have this new perspective. And so it's the same thing with everything. So you're like, when you gain that weight, you finally had that perspective. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is horrible. But you can also get your customers, your clients to understand like, okay, I have your perspective. Just wait till you get the perspective on being healthy. This is going to be yeah. like amazing for you. And so yeah. I feel like life's all about perspective. So I want to take you back just to like kind of, I guess your childhood. I just listened to your episode number 100. So okay. thank you for listening to that, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah, where you, you got pretty vulnerable, talked about some things that are pretty difficult. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to touch on not like all the details, but just about like a little bit about your past with the church, um, kind of what led you to want to move past that? Like, where did you feel stuck in there? Why was it not working for you? And yeah. kind of like how you transitioned from that. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned life's all about perspective and that's yeah. so 
through because your perception is based on you know so many factors right um your, the environment you grew up in your family their their pers- their their perceptions of everything and the way that their teachers and their parents taught them and we're all just products of our environment so transitioning into why did i leave the church a lot of it has to do with my perception so my perception was probably similar to yours that this church is the true church and it's the one and only true church and it's either all true or it's all false and i was 100 percent bought into the mentality of like it's all true because yeah. they they push that on that on you from a very very young age like we have the truth we have the knowledge no one else has it you're very lucky and fortunate to have it so i truly grew up believing that the, the which isn't a bad thing but the, on the flip side was this idea of having to be perfect because we're taught like you you have to be you don't have to be perfect but you have to almost be perfect it it feels a, like- you have that perception though because i remember playing that way and you you internalize a lot like you internalize it because you don't want others to to see your imperfections it and it's true because not just growing up in the church and religion but also the culture of men and sports and this idea of like we have to as men we don't talk about feelings we don't show our feelings or emotions we just suppress them and um and so i was taught from a very young age the way i I navigated this world of having weaknesses was if i go tell my parents or if i go tell my church leader about my sins which we all have them right and as you get older the sins become more serious um there's a lot of shame that comes with certain sins like pornography we're taught sexual sin is a sin next to murder and so with that hanging over your head as a teenage boy growing up in the 90s where pornography started to become this thing you know and the internet came out you're you're screwed like (laughs) literally and figuratively (laughs) yeah you are big time and so yeah, so basically what happened was from a very young age, I learned how to hide my weaknesses because if I told my bishop that I would have to go to church, not take the sacrament in front of every single person, it feels like every single like person. A star, is like a scarlet letter that you're wearing, essentially. Exactly. And it, there's a lot of shame as a teenage boy to be like, oh, I'm not taking the sacrament. My parents are watching. The bishop's watching. Other people are watching. If they don't see me, if they see me not take it they're wondering, oh, he's probably looking at porn. So I was like, I don't want people to think that about me. So I'm just going to take it anyways, which is a sin as well. But I was like, I'll just deal with the internal shame myself and just pretend that I'm perfect on the outside. So there's a lot of pressure to be this perfect little boy. Um, but a lo- inside, yeah. on the outside, it looked good because I could hide it. I could take the sacrament. So, but on the inside, I hated myself. I have a question because like for me, because I – that's one thing I struggle with. I still like, cause I know you've been to a lot of therapy, talked to you, worked through a lot of things, but like, so growing up, I cared way too much what people thought, like way too much. And so part of it was if I pass the sacrament and I don't take it, then they get to make up what my sin is in their head. I don't get to stand up and be like, Hey, just so you know, like, this is what I did. I looked at some pornography. It wasn't that bad, but yeah. They can, they can interpret like, and then I don't want to say anything negative about the church, but sometimes it could be gossipy. Sometimes things will get around. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you're worried that your image will get tarnished. And then not only your image, but then your family's image. And they yeah. start to look at you like, why can't you be more like so-and-so and so-and-so? And so it's a, it's a lot of weight to carry, especially too, if you come from like 11 
brothers and sisters. And I mean, you don't want to be like the black sheep that's <laughs> doing yeah, it exactly. a different way. So. Yeah, I think for me, like, you know, getting back to a little bit of, of why it, it, it was such a, why it was so devastating for me was my perception again was like, I had to be this perfect little boy, this good little boy that did all the good things. And if I didn't, then there was a punishment. And, and um, with that punishment came so much shame. And so here's what I've learned from Brittany Brown. She talks about how, when you talk about uh, the, the, when you don't talk about shame, shame has so much more power over you. And it's true. Um, you know, I would hide the things that brought me shame, like masturbation and pornography yeah. from my parents, from my church leaders, from everyone, even myself. I almost feel like now looking back, I denied, I lied to myself. Like yeah, I would yeah. just pretend like I didn't even have that problem. I would just, you know, get it out of my mind. Like that doesn't even exist. That part of me doesn't even exist. Yep. And, um, but then inside you, you know, it exists and you know that you're, a, you feel like you're a bad person. You feel like you're the worst person. You feel the like worst. you're disgusting because society, culture, people are like, oh, you look at pornography, you're disgusting. You know, what kind of sick human being are you? Like, at least that's the, the, my perception of the way it was in the church. So I learned to hide things from a very young age. So I didn't have to go through any kind of punishment. And so, um, with that mentality, years of that programming, um, I, I hit a lot of things and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, because of all this now, I can see clearly why I did what I did. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to blame anyone. Like you, I'm not trying to like, you know, go after the church or be mad. I'm just saying, this is my perception. This is my experience. This is why I hid things from people. I hid pornography, masturbation from my wife. Um, eventually had an affair, which I hid from her. Cause this is where all this programming stemmed from was like all these things that to someone outside the church are pretty normal. Like as a teenage boy masturbating and wanting to look at pornography or nudity is pretty normal, biologically speaking. Um, you know, having an affair, obviously that's not, but that's years and well, years of bad yeah. programming on my end and not knowing how to deal with a real life situation like having an affair. I didn't know I was gonna ever gonna have an affair. I didn't want an, secretly want an affair. I didn't, you know, desire it so much. I had fantasies, of course, but I didn't think it would ever happen or come true. But when it was presented in front of me, I, I, I did. And then the reason I found out, and you probably heard this on the podcast, was it has to do with self-hate. I feel like if you grow up hating yourself, which I did, because I felt like I was never good enough, I can never be good enough, I was never sin-free. So I beat myself up a lot because I, I felt so much shame and disgust yeah. with myself. And I feel like when you see yourself as a failure, you do failure-like things. You prove to yourself that you're a failure. So you look for ways to prove to yourself that you are a failure. And yeah. you tell yourself, like, see, you don't deserve the social kingdom. See, you are a screw-up. Like, you aren't going to heaven because you, you, you'll, you'll never be perfect. You'll never be able to get rid of this addiction or this desire for, you know, lust and sex and all those things. And, um, and, and so I feel like this was another opportunity to prove to myself that I was a failure. And... Um, and so anyways, that's, that's kind of the lesson that I learned from it. And that's, this is what I tell people is life happens for you, not to you. And if I, when the affair happened, you know, I looked at life as happening to me. Like, why did this have to happen? Why did I have to be, you know, why did, why, why did God let this happen? Like, why did my parents not teach me better? Or I was blaming all these other people, right? I was blaming everyone else except for myself. And uh, for me, with that kind of mindset, 
that victim mindset, you look at life happening to you. And when you look at life happening for you, you own your story and you realize that, hey, this is a part of my journey. I could either, uh, Brene Brown talks about this. She's like, when you own your story, you get to write the ending to your story. But if you don't own your story, your story owns you. And so for me, I had to realize like, you know, at some point I'm going to have to own this story of this affair and realize that this is a part of me. But if I do that, even though it's scary as hell, I get to write the ending to my story and I get to move past that and not define myself by my past. But if I hide it, I'm ashamed of it, don't do the work to heal from it, then it's just going to get, you know, it's just going to be a life of misery. And that trauma gets passed on to my kids because I didn't do the work to heal it. And that's where I was like, I can't do that to my daughters. I have to do the hard work to heal this so that I don't pass on this trauma that, you know, they they didn't ask for. It's not fair to them. So it's learning to break the cycle. A lot of it too, because the same thing happened to me. Um, I like to use the analogy of like, uh, you do river rafting at all? You're pretty out. Oh, a few times, but I love it. It's, I love, yeah. Yeah. So if you go river rafting and you don't have oars and you just let your boat flow and like just smash into rocks, like that's how I lived my life. So I basically (laughs) like, I let people tell me just do, just do this. Like you do it. And I wasn't navigating at all. And like, a part of me with my upbringing is I felt like I didn't have a choice and I did need to live my life the way that other people told me. And deep down, I was like really depressed. So I think in your podcast, you talked about how you kind of got into like little party and whatever, but like in high school, I felt like I found, I kind of found a part of myself, really the part that I loved. And then I kind of sold out and went down a path that wasn't good for me. And so I just committed, like overcommitted to maybe like more than I could, I bit off more than I could chew and didn't realize that I could navigate things in a direction. And so same thing, I grew a lot of self-hate. I was using a lot of secret like alcohol. Like I was like closet drinking. Like I had like bottles, I'd take cups into my shower and drink just to like be able to cope with my life. And same thing, like I've, there's no way I would ever have an affair. There's no way I would be that person. And then sure enough, it happens to you. And you're like, wow, I can't believe this just happened. And I buried it for two, two full years. I just buried it and was like, nobody is going to know about this. Yeah. And then, yeah, same thing. Like I started to read all these books. And I think the first book that really hit me was that David Goggins can't hurt me. Did you read that's that intense, one, right? Man. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But he just talks about like accountability and ownership and like stop hiding from your stuff. And I was like, that's so true. Like I have all these things that I'm just hiding from and I'm pretending like they're not part of me, but they are. And like you mm-hmm. talk about like with Brene Brown, if you put them out there, like podcast or social media, or even just like, even just verbalizing something like yeah. to yourself, I use an app called day one, where I just talk my thoughts through like a journal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just doing that, like it just gets it out there and it's like acknowledgement that it's actually real. But Hmm. I like that. I think that's the thing. That's a key point right there, Tyler, is like being able as a man to communicate these things that we've been suppressing, whether it's through a therapist, a best friend, an app, getting it out, getting that. Because if you hold on, if you store that 
that bad energy at some point is going to manifest itself in one way, shape, or form, whether it's an affair, whether it's, I don't know, whatever, it can be a million things, but it manifests itself in different forms. And that's, that's the problem is we're too afraid to open our mouths. We're too afraid to talk about the things that bring us so much shame because we're afraid of what other people think about us. We're afraid of the punishment. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of all the hate that comes along with it. There's so much pain. And we're like, no, I'm just going to hide this from all, all yeah, deal. With which is more pain. Pain. It's more painful. More, yeah. It's so much more painful hiding it. Like once you let it out, yeah. there's pain, there's judgment. It's like you always talk about it. It's, you do, it's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of feelings and a lot of emotion. And like, I mean, when you got to confront your wife and say, hey, like we got to try to work through an affair right now. That's yeah. not easy. That's really, really difficult. But at least you're making steps to become better. Some people can work through it. Some people can't work through it. But acknowledging yeah. that there's something there and like making an effort, it's just there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom in trying to like be a better person and better yourself and not hide from all of your mistakes. And so, yeah, yeah that's one thing I've noticed in you is it's just I feel like you come across like obstacles. There's an obstacle. And like I've been really impressed because it seems like once you overcome something it seems like it's easier to make the decision to do something else and like you almost get addicted to growth <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's a good point yeah i, I do feel that because it, it's it's provides you with another sense of direction whereas before we had religion to be like okay here's my purpose here's the path i'm supposed to take and now without that this path of like growth mindset is the one that feels the most fulfilling to my soul to my heart that makes me feel whole. It makes me feel like that I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose by becoming the best version of myself, which is constantly changing. That's the, I think that's the problem with our mentality before was like, oh, I know all the things now. I have all the knowledge. And it feels good to your ego to be like, oh, I know where I came from, where, why I'm here and where I'm going. Like it, it feels good to your ego to have all the answers. I'm like, oh, I know everything. Um, but when you don't have all the answers and you just say, I don't know, it's scary. It's hard. It, yeah. like, it doesn't have that structure anymore. But for me, now I go off of like what feels good to my heart and I have a really good connection to what feels good to my highest self. And that growth mindset is something that's very fulfilling, uh, whether it's a book or a podcast or meditation or doing a podcast with you or um, like tonight I'm going to yoga, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, different things like that that are all about, you know, hey, this can help me grow. It's all about your intention. Uh, of, of what you're using, whatever it is, yoga, meditation, um, you know, whatever it is, you there's lots of things we can use yeah. to help us grow. It, it, you know, it's all about our intention. So well, that's, and that's what I like too, is because I always felt like there had to be punishment. Like if you do something wrong, there's got to be like punishment where it's almost <laughs> like you have to like, there's a different education. You know what I mean? It's like, because I listened to that podcast today and you talked about the pornography. And then you were talking about how you just don't have desire to do it anymore because you have yeah. gotten in touch with like who you are. You like yourself as a person. You don't want to invite things in your house or into your mind, which are going to be damaging or lead you down a path that's not going to make you the best version of you. And like, it's so interesting because before I even knew about you, like I was going down the same path and I was just paying attention to like my feelings. And I feel like if you're a child and you had a parent or you have people telling you like, look, this is pornography, you're going to come across it. 
obviously it's going to be addicting. Like you're going to find these things like you're going to want to look at these things, obviously, because like that's just yeah. human nature. But pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to how you're looking at women. Pay attention mm-hmm. to like what's happening with your overall like countenance. Do you feel happier or do you feel like maybe it's kind of sucking some of the happiness away from you? Then maybe abstain from it for a little bit. See how you feel. Compare the two. And then make a decision on your own. How would you like to live your life? And that's that's kind of how I started to look at things. Like with alcohol, same thing with with everything. Like if I'm drinking too much, is this affecting me negatively? Like overall in my life, and like just it's really all yeah. about like discipline, learning to be disciplined, and doing things for the right reason, and not because somebody's like do this. And if you don't. You need to come talk to your bishop and you're going to get spent. I think that's a really good sound advice, Tether. I really do. And I think it it starts with you. Like if you and I had someone like us, uh, when we were kids, like talking about pornography in that way, we probably would have opened it up and talked to like our family or friends about it because no one would be like, oh, you're disgusting. You're a bad person. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we would have that permission. We would feel safe to talk about those things that yeah. brought us shame. And so that's what's interesting is we probably didn't have that. Not, not to anyone's fault, right? Like no one, you know, it's not like my parents, you know, should have known better. They, they didn't do a good job. Like they did the best they could. My church leaders, they did the best they could. But that's what, that's the type of conversations that like need to happen in order for people to feel safe to talk about the things that are, you know, they're struggling with, and I think that's great. And I think, you know, like what you said basically comes down to, you know, trusting yourself and figuring out what you really want. Cause yeah, we may say like, oh yeah, I really want this cake. It's like, okay, cool. That's totally fine. Like do that little inventory practice you just mentioned of like, eat the cake, see how you feel yeah. before, during and after. Right. And then, and then maybe go without the cake and see how you feel and be like, okay, what do I really want to do in this situation? Do I want to eat the cake every day or, you know, (laughs) or do I want every once in a while when it's like the right occasion and I feel like it's a good thing, but maybe other times you're like, no, it's not worth it. Cause I get stomach ache, I get diarrhea, I get all these things. Um, So maybe I shouldn't have it, you know, all the time. And so, yeah, I think that's good sound advice. It really is. Yeah. And I think like, and that's, I mean, if you could just, cause I think you're doing a really good job helping people build this mindset. I have like, I mean, I wanted to do an hour. I might have to have you on again or do one with you. <laughs> but like, so the church stuff, like we definitely relate a lot on that. We could go on forever about that. Cause I mean, it's, you were in the church for 30 some odd years, correct? Yeah. Yep. 34, 35. So same with me. So, I mean, it's a big, big, big part of our life. Like there's no way yep. that, I mean, it's not going to play into like who we are as people. But you made the decision to move on. I know that you and your ex-wife decided to part ways, but you guys are still friends. Um, mm-hmm. Did in a way where you guys, you you moved to Hawaii together, right? Divorced? <laughs> or? Yeah, yeah, we moved there together, divorced um, with our girls, just to get away from the Utah culture for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So are, is she there still? Yeah, she's out here. She lives five minutes down the road. Okay. How long have you guys lived in Hawaii? Uh, for about a year. Coming up on a year uh, tomorrow, actually. <laughs> okay. So how is you loving it there? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I love it. I mean, my family's from here on my dad's side. I didn't grow up out here, but I, I grew up coming out here to visit, and I, I loved it. It's a different lifestyle, of course, 
it's very it's very unique place in the world that's for sure yeah so i want to backtrack so when you started 2011 is when you did uh that's when you started the fit to fat to fit yep correct. so what was what was your last like job job like what was your <laughs> did you ever do like financial advising insurance agent did you go like door-to-door alarm sales anything like that uh, I did that for one summer. I was door-to-door alarm sales. Okay. Um, but no, before Fit to Fit to Fit, I was working full-time in the medical field as a neuromonitoring technician. Okay. Um, and I did that for about two and a half years. And before that, I was a financial analyst uh, for Chrysler, the car company, and uh, worked for them for about three years. And so, yeah, those are my first, like, I guess, real out-of-college, like post-college jobs financial analyst and then a neuromonitoring technician then got certified as a trainer during 2008 2009 you know the the whole um you know um uh you know recession that we were having during that time and i had to reinvent myself and then that's where the after i got certified as a trainer that's where the idea of fit to fit came about and then when that took off i quit my job in the medical field about at like around my heaviest when i was like gained all the weight so i still had to work as a neuromonitoring technician as i was gaining the weight which was very interesting <laughs> so yeah because that that's kind of what i because it seems like you're living out your dreams doing a lot like you just i mean we'll talk about this at the end but you're launching this new i mean you got your own like prod like your food line your uh what's what's that called F2 Meals, F2 uh, meals. A keto meal yeah the keto meal prep company that starts yeah. actually launches tomorrow june 1st so yeah, so I'm gonna get on and buy a bunch of meals from you and be part of the, <laughs> be part of your 30 day trial. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Thank but you. But I always want to know how do people? What's the steps? Like the same thing is like you left the church to grow. You have to make sacrifice. Like you have to do it. So you're working this job. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Was it something you enjoyed, or were you just kind of doing it as a means to an end? And your real passion was the fitness, and you were trying to figure out. How do I make this fitness work so I can pay all my bills? Kind of sort of the latter. The, um, I did enjoy the job. It was a very interesting, unique job that was very uh, niche. It was a very unique niche in the medical industry where I didn't have to have a, like a, a, a doctor. Uh, like I didn't have to go to school uh, to become a doctor or anything like that. Yeah. I just had six months of training or no, no six, sorry, six weeks of training. Uh, a bachelor's degree and I was able to make a good salary, good income, very kind of like a flexible schedule, I would yeah. say. And so it wasn't like, you know, grinding. It was, it wasn't too bad at my schedule, to be honest with you. And it was a cushy, cushy job, but okay. it, I wasn't passionate about it. Fitness yeah. is when I got, you know, I got passionate about that. So Pat, like, so have you always had it was like since you were a kid, because you did sports and has it always been fitness? You just have loved <laughs> fitness and has it always kind of like drawn you in? Good question. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was like into fitness, but I was into like like Conan the Barbarian with like the you know the uh, Predator was like one of my favorite Dude, movies. Are you, that's so was, funny. Like, <laughs> I was way into like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I remember watching the uh, Last Action Hero. You remember that movie? Yeah, of course, man. That's a good one. Classic. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, so like you know, I, I grew up with that era, like the '80s, you know, kind of superheroes of the time, and I, like I wanted to be strong. And so, and then when I was a kid, 
my brother played uh, football. My older brothers played football um, for the high school and I was like the ball boy. So I started getting into football and I wanted to be big like them. So I've always been into like working out and I was like, oh yeah, I want to be like that. And so I, I, I would and I did. And uh, yeah, and then I excelled at sports. Like I said, I got really good at wrestling and football. And so, yeah, I would say fitness kind of became a part of my life. And then when I got older into college and then married, um, I saw all my friends, I got married and like, and then they would just let themselves go. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't want to be the guy that just lets himself go after he gets married. And then life just seems boring after that. Like, I don't want that. So I, I kept up my, my health and fitness even after, you know, while I was working in the medical field and yeah. And then when I had to reinvent myself and, um, during the recession of 0809, I was like, well, I'm passionate about fitness. I'm going to get certified as a trainer. So that's kind of what I did. So that's where fit to fat started. How did you come up with this idea? Like the fit to fat. So like you, I would imagine if I was talking to my ex-wife and I was like, all right, here's my plan. I'm going to get really fat. And I'm going to try to like blow this thing up. She'd be like, you're crazy. What are you thinking? Like, I could imagine like everybody was looking at you like, what are you doing? And like, how did you spark this? How did you begin this journey? Like, did you have a lot of followers? Like what, like, how did you get this all to like work out in your favor? That's a good question. I had zero followers. Uh, My wife at the time was pregnant with her with their second child yeah she's pregnant with their second child and um at the time i was training my brother-in-law who was out of shape and i would see him at family functions and he would always be eating like the junk food and i'm like i would get frustrated with him like dude what are you doing like why are you eating that food like you know i'm your trainer and i'm right here like you you know like we're on a plan like we're doing you know and yeah like yeah i know but it's it's hard and all these things and then one day you know, I was like, kind of like probably pushing him and he was like, Hey man, you don't really understand how hard it is for me or for people like me. Um, for you, it's been easy your whole life. And I kind of took that to heart. I was like, you're right. I don't understand why it's so hard. And that's where the idea of like, I start thinking about, okay, like, how can I, how can I gain a better understanding? And then this idea of this experiment was like, just like a light bulb went off in my head. And then I felt almost called to do it. I told my wife at the time, like I said, she was pregnant, so she definitely was having cravings. And I was like, hey, I think I'm going to do this idea. What do you think? She's like, yeah, uh, you should totally do that because then we could have some junk food in the house. <laughs> We're going to have cravings. And so she was all, all on board. And then I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any followers. I didn't have any media connections. I didn't have any, like, marketing strategy. I was like, okay, let me learn how to start a website. So I you like Squarespace. Honestly, just trying to figure out your customers. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't have this grand plan to write a book or get on TV shows. I was just like, I'm going to do this thing and we'll see what happens. So I did it as a side gig type thing. And, you know, I I didn't have like a budget. I just used like a few hundred dollars of our money to like start a a website, uh, start a YouTube channel, create a Facebook account, told all my friends and family to follow me. And, you know, it took me like, you know, a few months to get like five or maybe like a month or two to get like 500 followers or something Yeah. <laughs> and on Facebook. And then from there, one day, uh, this fitness blogger wrote a blog about my journey of me gaining weight, showed some pictures. And that blog got posted or saw, seen by someone at yahoo.com and said, we want to feature this on the homepage of yahoo.com. 
And so one day it just was there and it, it crashed my website. Every TV show was like reaching out to me, asking me to like, you know, uh, like interview me. They were like competing to have me on. And that's where I was like, oh man, this, this, and so like, it's crazy. This, and this is all happening when you're at like your heavy point, right? Where you've gained. I was, I was, um, uh, two or three months in. So I was probably about halfway oh. done. Anyway. How terrified are you at this point that like, oh crap, I really hope I can get back into shape. Everybody's looking at me now. <laughs> How terrified I was. I was terrified, especially going on all the TV shows. Like, yeah. you know, Jay was on Jay Leno. It was a big deal. Dr. Oz. I was like, man, this is getting serious. This is getting scary. Because I was like, what if I don't lose the weight? Like, what if I get stuck <laughs> like this? That was a real possibility and a real fear for me. Because I've never, I've cut weight for wrestling. Yeah, that's completely different. Like cutting five pounds in a week is not the same as dropping 75 pounds, right? So I've never done this before. And I was hoping that it would, you know, come to pass, right? And it did. But yeah, I was worried, man. I had some fears for sure. And um, yeah, luckily, I got back to fit. That's what's cool, though, is like you double down, because that's the, the biggest thing I've learned in my life is like, you got to just go after your fears. And so almost to like, you were just held accountable by like the world watching you. So you basically were, it's like you had to either just like step up to the plate or fold. And like, it was your chance. It's like that Eminem song, right? He's like, you got yeah, opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was your opportunity. Up and cracked. So then you lost the weight. I, I would imagine you had a ton of people that were doing it with you, right? You, um, what's interesting is back in those days, back in 2011, 2012, there was a bunch of people doing it with me, but like there was no way to like really track who was doing it with me because I didn't have an app. Oh, I didn't yeah. have like a program people could download. I was just like posting my workouts as a blog post on my website. So it was super disorganized. No. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Eventually, I had a friend who worked for a website company saying, Hey, can we build you a website? And they did and became more organized, but still. There was no like I wasn't like monetizing it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of people that did it with me. I got so many emails of people and their transformations after that. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing. It definitely struck a chord. And then yeah. from there, that's where the journey began with me quitting my job as a as a medical technician and then doing fit to right to fit full time and then making that into a career now and a movement, if you will, in the fitness industry has been 10 plus years in the making. It wasn't like an overnight success, obviously. It it, it it took years to, I would say a good six years to finally figure out what I was doing. Like I didn't yeah. really know what I was doing, how were I was you, making money. Were you always doing, like how long have you been doing keto? Was that, was that back then? No, keto came, keto wasn't really mainstream until like 2015, I would say, 2014. And then from there, that's why I learned about it. And so I, I learned about it in 2015, 2016, did some experiments, then went back on Dr. Oz to talk about it. And then that's when I developed the whole keto brand. So when you lost the 75 pounds the first time, what, like, what was the diet? Was it, did you have your own diet figured out? Cause it obviously, yeah, it, was, but... it was like paleo ish. It was kind of mostly whole foods, but it was like six small meals per day, every two or three hours, like clockwork some type of uh, protein and veggies, a little bit of carbs, right? Moderate amount of fat, like very small amounts, you know, but didn't have a ton. 
And um, yeah, it's five, five, six small meals per day. And that's kind of what the standard was back then. Yeah. Everyone, that's the way everyone was doing it. Like, oh, you got to eat every two, three hours to fuel your metabolism. Otherwise your metabolism slows down. Like all these old myths. I was a part of that. I was a part of that too, man. Yeah. And I admit that hundred percent, but we all do the best we can with what we know. And once we know better, we do better. And that's why I'm grateful for science and not being stuck in your ways to say, Hey, I had this wrong. You know, I didn't do this and um, I didn't do it, you know, the right way, but I did the best I could at the time. So yeah, that's cool though. The first time. Yeah. So then the 2000, so then you started to build it 2015, mm -hmm. then you found out about keto and then you just, yep. so you kind of went all in on the, the keto. And I have a lot of questions about this keto thing for you. Let's do it. <laughs> so first off, I'm going to fast forward to your 100 mile race that you ran. Yes, I know you're, you're like me. You just I did a hundred mile race also last year, and I like to just see what I can do. I think you're the same. Yeah. Like, let's see if I can run a hundred miles. <laughs> and I know <laughs> your goal is to do it under 24 hours, right? You tried, you attempted, you did it twice basically, right? Didn't you do like I did it. the first time or something? Yeah, the first time uh, I failed. I only got 80 miles, but it was a good learning but lesson. That's because you were trying to do it in 24 hours. Yes, that's true. And I didn't, I, I took six weeks to prepare. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doing a hundred miles on keto. So where, yeah. like, I'm trying to figure out how are you supplementing? Like, cause for me, it's the carb. Like I go carbs, 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 carbs when I'm doing sure. my runs. Yeah. And so with the keto, how, you were doing strictly keto with the run, right? Yeah. So, so here's how keto works. Cause it's hard to jump into it without understanding yeah. how keto works. So mm -hmm. back up a little bit, the human body was designed to run off of two different types of fuel. And one is glucose, which is the main source of fuel, which is carbohydrates, right? Like we all know carbs turn to glucose, which is a sugar. And then glucose becomes the main energy source for brain, muscles, organs, nervous system to function as a human, right? But if you ran out of food, our bodies were designed to not die the next day, right? We can go yeah. days, weeks, months without food because of a backup system called ketosis, where when we run out of glucose to burn, right? Because you'll burn through, a, you know, all the glucose your body can eat. If you ate all the, like, pizza and pasta and rice and cereal, your body is only going to store maybe two, 3000 calories of glucose in your body. And, but then you'll burn through that in a day or two, right? Yeah. What happens when we run out of food is our bodies can break down stored body fat first. That's the most, that's the easiest energy source to pull from is stored body fat. Cause we all have a lot of fat in our bodies. Even if you're super lean and super skinny, you still have lots of fat. Yeah. Well, now you can tap into like, 20 or 30,000 calories to burn as fuel. Um, and so that's kind of what ketosis is, is our body's backup system. So there's two ways to get into ketosis. One is to starve yourself or fast, which isn't fun for people. But if every human in the world stopped eating food today, within like two, three days, we would all be in a ketogenic state, burning fat as energy instead of sugar as energy. So that's kind of how keto works. But the difference between glucose and ketones is glucose is kind of like if you had a fire and you put lighter fluid on it or like paper, you'll see a big increase in flames really quick. It'll burn through that really quickly, lots of energy, but then 
really quickly you're you're out of you need more right you can't just you have to replenish it every so often ketones are like the logs or the coal of the fire that stay lit for long periods of time that are sustained a, a, a nice um, balanced energy source that is sustained over long periods of time when you're running which is an endurance sport unless you're sprinting or running up a hill um your body uh isn't in a you're not using glucose as much when you're um, running at a, maybe you're not increasing your speed to where you're, you're above a certain threshold where your body's going to need to pull glucose from a quite quick, fast burning yeah. energy, like glucose. When you're running a hundred mile race, I mean, unless you're a world record holder, you're just doing it to survive and like go at an easy pace. You don't burn and crash, right? So you're not like sprinting, you know, during certain parts of it. So you could probably maintain an easy pace. And that's kind of why a lot of endurance athletes now, now that they understand how ketosis works, are moving over to a, to a more of a ketogenic, low-carb lifestyle because they can run long periods of time without having to refuel with goos and carbs. And you know what I'm saying? Like no one wants to hit that wall. And now with keto, you can go longer periods of time. And so, but here's the trick. And this is uh, something that I did for my race is I trained for seven months, the second time after I failed, I got 80 miles the first time and I was like, okay, I need longer to train. So I took seven months to train for this. I trained in ketosis, but then on my long run days, which is like once a week, I would practice fueling my body with something called ketone esters, which I'll get into in a second, with carbohydrates. So now you're providing your body with two forms of fuel, glucose, which your body is very adapted to, knows how to use very well, uh -huh. and will always use that first. And then when you run out of that glucose, just a small amount, right? Then it shifts over to ketones because now your body knows how to uh, shift from glucose to ketones very effectively and efficiently, whereas some that's only car carb adapted, they have no idea. Their body isn't trained yet to shift over, and that's when they hit a wall. Right, though they won't feel uh, optimal in that situation. But since I've trained my body to do that, and, and my body's adapted, now I'm able to use glucose and ketones to fuel me during my hundred miles. And just to make a long story short, I did do it in under 24 yeah. hours second time around uh, without dying. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember. I remember. Like, I was like, "Is this guy going to be an ultra runner now?" And right when you got done, like, and I'm done running. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I hate running. That's why I did it was to show myself like, hey, you can do something you hate and you suck at because I'm not yeah. a good runner to be totally honest with you. I'm really, I'm not. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I made it through. Because yeah, I'm, but there's more like, science behind it. Like, like there's more, I would need more time to explain all of it. But. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. You've got like your website, you have, uh, I mean, your social media, people can come look on your stuff and learn more. So, because I'm going to do, so your 30-day 30 30-day challenge that you're doing. Yeah. So talk about that real quick. Yeah, so that's that's uh, with my F2 meals. So my F2 meals, which is my keto meal prep company, which launches, uh, like I said, June 1st, um, we wanted to run a 30-day challenge. And to be totally honest with you, like I, <laughs> I haven't let myself go or gotten fat or anything like that. I just have been less strict recently with life. I went through a really hard... Um, end of the year last year yeah. where I actually had to take a break from social media. And so I kind of took a break from being super strict and hard on myself. 
because I was down in the dumps. I was definitely at one of my, I would say my lowest point in my life, even harder than my divorce and, um, um, you know, leaving my religion. There were some hard, dark nights of the soul that I went through just recently. And so I was like, I don't want any kind of like being strict or hard on my body or so I, so I've just kind of been relaxed a little bit and that's totally fine, but I want to do the challenge to launch with my meals, which I'm really excited about. Uh, to do a 30 day challenge with people. And so I wrote a 30 day workout program that people can do from the gym or at home. Um, they can purchase the meals if they want to. It's, it's they don't have to, to do the challenge. They can still have access to it, but obviously, you know, uh, it's a, uh, it's meal prep is one of those things where as a single dad, yeah, it's a lifesaver. It's a game changer. If I don't have to cook meals, I can spend more time with my daughters or spend more time working or spend more time calling friends or family or doing things that matter in life versus, Oh, I'm going to today's meal prep night. I got to cook my chicken and vegetables and like spend two or three hours meal prepping, which is totally fine. That's what you enjoy doing. I wouldn't say I enjoy it for me. Time is money. And if people have the budget for it, then it's definitely a game changer for a lot of people because it takes all the guesswork out. You don't have to do the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, the prep, um, it's ready for you. And so, uh, the 30 day challenge kind of goes along with the meals. Okay. Um, meals are all meals from my books and recipes that I've had for years that now people can just order online instead of like, Oh, what's the recipe for this? Let me go buy the ingredients and make it. And hopefully it turns out right. We do all that for you now. We ship it to your door, overnight it to yeah, the lower states. Yeah. We overnight it to the lower 48 states. So unfortunately Hawaii, even though I live here, it doesn't yeah. get shipped overnight here or Alaska, unfortunately. So okay. And then when does the uh 30-day challenge start? That's like June. Is it June 13th? June 13th. Yeah. And the reason we did that is because June 1st, people can place their orders for the meals, right? Yeah. And then June 13th is that next Monday. So it allows people to, you know, buy the food if they want to or buy supplements, get mentally prepared. And so June 13th will all start together um at the same time. And so that's okay. kind of the idea behind it. So what is it like, because I've tried this keto thing a few times, and I know there's like that yeah. first part where you go through and you get headaches, or that's what people say, but so what are like the, is there downsides to keto? Because it's, when I've tried it, it's the best I feel, and then I always like start eating pizza and stuff, and then I just go way downhill really, really fast, yeah. but is yeah. there a downside to keto? Like if you did it for life, is there... Like, is there any negative side, like side effects from doing like a strict keto diet? There definitely can be. And this is where, when it comes to nutrition, it's so bio-individual because we like to think there's one optimal way to eat for all humans. Yeah. And I would say that there's not, there really isn't. Like, um, but ketosis, just to be very clear, is a totally natural and safe metabolic state that any human can enter into. The problems I see with, with the way people do keto is people gravitate more towards comfort foods or they do a lazy version of keto yeah. where they're eating the keto pizza and the keto breads and the keto cookies and the keto cakes because they want that food and they're not really focusing on whole foods like you know meat and vegetables is, is probably the most optimal way to do keto. So, and then people, the, you mentioned the, you know, the headaches and stuff like that. 
people experience the keto flu because they don't know that when you go keto, your electrolytes, your there's an imbalance in your electrolytes because you don't retain as much water now uh, without okay. the carbohydrates. So your body expels a lot of water. So you lose, you lose a lot of water weight initially, which a lot of people love that part. But then you're dehydrated or your electrolytes are off, which oh, makes okay. you feel lightheaded or dizzy or cramping of the muscles or low energy or brain fog. That's the keto flu. So people need to supplement with salt, potassium, and magnesium on the ketogenic diet to make sure that those electrolyte levels are optimized so you don't experience the keto flu. Mm. Um, but there is a, a there is like an adaptation period where you know you've been eating glucose for 30 plus years and now you're saying, okay, we're gonna switch fuel sources all of a sudden. Yeah. Your body isn't adapted yet. It takes time to adjust. And I would say give yourself a good 30 days of doing strict keto before you say, okay, this this is something I like, this is something I, I don't like. Um, uh, I'm gonna try yeah. it. I'm gonna do this with you. I'm gonna hey. buy, I'm gonna get your meal. Let's do it, man. I'm gonna do it, and then in 30 days, I'm gonna post some pictures, and you're like, "Dang, hey. Tyler, <laughs> I got. I'm going on vacation tomorrow, Florida, for, hey. for 10 days. So I'm Enjoy gonna eat it, all my cinnamon toast <laughs> just go nuts, and then come back and get whipped into shape. So yeah, and I'm doing it too. I'm gonna be doing it. I'm gonna be doing the same exercises like day one. That's my workout for the day. Day two, we're all doing the workouts together. We're going to be part of a private Facebook group. We're all be going live uh, every so often and answering people's questions. And it's, it'll be cool to do it as a team, as a community, instead of like, oh, yeah, here's the challenge and just do it by yourself. Like, I want to make sure people understand that I'll be going through the same pain. We'll all be experiencing the same things together. So it's really cool that you're doing it too, Tyler. Yeah, my, my girlfriend's going to do it too. So okay. we'll both be there. And then uh, – so. <laughs> The last thing I wanted to talk about, because you kind of, you just touched on uh, like the end of the year last year. I remember seeing like you had a pretty tough breakup, like you, you're always super vulnerable. And I mean, as somebody watching, like you're always super curious about what's going on with this person. I don't want to get super personal with you, but um, so as far as like spiritual, like your spirituality, because you see you you look super successful you're in hawaii you like are in great shape like everything just seems to be like perfect from like an outside perspective but then everybody goes through things and so when you go through something like you did at the end of the year what is your process like what do you do so you disconnect from social media you meditate prayer like what are your things to like get centered and balanced for people because i have i think i have a lot of listeners that I mean, I think they feel like maybe how we felt, just broken, like broken. I don't know like what to do to make myself feel better. Maybe I'll jump on social media. Maybe I'll look at pornography. Maybe I'll drink. And I know they all want to feel better, but what steps specifically would you take if you're kind of in like a down spot in your life? 100%. Let me go down that list. But before I do quote, there's a quote by Rumi that's very profound that helped me with the, the, the pain and he says the cure for pain is in the pain and so what happens when we go through a painful experience like a breakup or whatever it is we want to numb the pain we don't want to feel the pain we want to distract ourselves from the pain as humans that's the way we're hardwired we don't like pain and so we're seeking food drugs alcohol sex porn tv shows social media whatever it is exercise religion books like there's a million ways to escape Sure, some are healthier, some are you know, less healthier for you, 
but it, they all do the same thing. They all distract us from the pain. So sitting in, in the pain and being un, that uncomfortable and letting it hurt is probably the first thing that I would say, let yourself feel, let yourself feel all the pain, let yourself feel all the hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to like, dude, it's, it's, it's as men, like, I don't know how many men would admit that they were so broken, so devastated that they were curled up in a fetal position, like bawling their eyes out, right? Like yeah. we don't talk about that kind of stuff. And, um, but let yourself feel it first and foremost. Like just don't suppress it. Don't distract yourself from it. Don't numb it. Let it suck. And don't try and fast forward through the pain. There's no shortcut or quick way out of it, but I'll go down the list of things that definitely helped me. Yeah. But you have to be willing to do the work just like you're like, if you're overweight and you're like, I want to get in shape, you have to be willing to do X amount of work to be able to lose that weight, right? If you want to heal from this pain, you're going to have to do a lot of work. And so that list of things that I do that works for me is I would say therapy, um, life coaching, uh, books, uh, you know, audio books, physical books, whatever you want to use um, that, you know, for me, Brittany Brown, huge fan of her work. Uh, there's another book, Byron Katie, The Four Agreements. Um, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Byron Katie, her book is called Loving What Is. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz is another great book. Like so many books I could mention, There's but so many. Yeah, being open to listening to books or reading books, uh, journaling, um, like whether it's the the app you use or just yeah. physically writing on paper, getting those words out, get, like getting that that the like all those thoughts that you have, getting it out and speaking and vocalizing it, whether it's with your therapist or by yourself. Um, getting out in nature is very very healing. That's why we moved out here. This helped me so much. Both of us, after our divorce, yeah. we healed. Uh, and getting out in nature is, is very important. Movement, exercise. I know, like, we look at exercise as a chore, or like, oh, only people that are in shape do that. But some type of physical movement, scientifically speaking, uh, spiritually speaking, movement of any type is going to help you work through that pain. So, whether it's a walk, whether it's lifting, swimming, biking, running, dancing, I don't care, some type of movement. Um, on top of that, meditation, pause affirmations, a gratitude list uh, have helped to rewire my brain to look for things to be grateful for, even if the journey sucks, even if in the moment, you know, for me, I was going through a breakup, I was going through hard things with my daughters at the time. So as a single dad, I was just like, totally broken there's still beauty in the journey. There's still beauty in the journey. And in perfect timing, I'm reading Man's Search for, for Meaning by Viktor Frankl right now, who is oh, in a okay. concentration camp. And so <laughs> if he can find beauty in a concentration camp, I'm sure there are things that we can, as bad as they may seem, there are things that we can look for that, that, that we can be grateful for. And I'm not saying those things like are miracles. Like they're not like, oh, the pain's gone now. I did it for seven days straight. Now it's all gone. It's like, no, that's like, that's the grind. Like doing that yeah. every single day as best I can, I knew would pay dividends, but it took months to feel a difference, to feel like, okay, I'm finally in a place where I'm not crying anymore every day, all day. And I can like I laugh a little bit and things slowly improve. The pain goes from 100% to like 95%. And then 
you know, 95% to 90% and you slowly, the pain is not as intense as it used to be. And so that's the list of things that I would give to people who are going through something like that, because we're all going to go through it. But those were the tools that, that, that are available to me. And when I was a member of the church, it, those tools weren't available to me yeah. that I just mentioned, uh, or they weren't available. I just wasn't open to them. Um, <laughs> but I would say also be open to new tools outside of your toolkit that maybe have worked for you in the past, but maybe at some point they're not going to work for you. You know, what worked for you today might not work for you for, for you six months from now or six years from now. So be open to new tools uh, to add to your toolkit. So I know like therapy might be one of those, meditation yeah. might be one of those for some people. Um, you know, I'll even throw in plant medicine, you know, just like a religion. Religion can be very powerful and help people. Say plant medicine is something that I was not open to yeah. for a long period of time. And having my own experiences with it in a safe way, like for me, it's made a huge impact. Um, so that's huge. And I, I really, I, I know you got stuff to do. It's what, it's only five o'clock where you're at, right? So <laughs> yeah. you got a whole lot of fun to go do, but. Yeah, I got in my yoga class, bro. Yeah. Broga. I call it broga. I call it broga. You know, there you go. sound a little more manly. <laughs> but you know, I appreciate you coming on. Like, I honestly, like, from the bottom of my heart, like, I really do appreciate everything you put out there. Um, I know putting your stuff out there is really difficult. And I just want you to know, like, for me personally, you've been like a huge impact and like, you don't even know me. And so I just think you've done this for more people than you realize. And so just for the listeners, like, like Drew just said, I mean, the end of last year, like life goes through ups and downs. And so sometimes I think a problem we have too, is you think you have it figured out. Like we never have it figured out and there's always going to be the next thing. And when you're working on one thing, something else is building. And so you got to constantly, like he said, be looking for tools, looking for people. Another thing is just looking for people, like surround yourself with positive, good people that want the same things and put good stuff into your brain, like diet, books, podcasts, like fill your soul with goodness and then goodness will radiate out of you. And I think that's, that's what we can see from you. So I appreciate it. I'll be doing this 30 day challenge with you. Yeah, really, like, really, honestly, man, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to hit this uh, stop record button. Boom.